Hey, have you heard about popcultureclassroom.org? Pop Culture Classroom inspires a love of learning, increases literacy, celebrates diversity, and builds community through the tools of popular culture and the power of self-expression. That sounds awesome. Pop Culture Classroom envisions individuals transformed by the educational power of pop culture who create diverse, inclusive, and engaged communities, and they bring us Denver Pop Culture Comic Con. So... That's why you get these panels, these guests, these interviews, all of this programming that we offer through the BAC network. Other things that Pop Culture Classroom gives a shit about, quality service to kids and communities, respect, inclusiveness, and diversity, equality of opportunity, alternative approaches to education, recognizing each person's intrinsic dignity and importance, that's always good, and open communication, responsibility, and honesty. Does it sound like I'm reading that off their website? It's because I am. I want to get it right, because they deserve to get it right, and they deserve to have you go to their webpage, popcultureclassroom.org, and donate so that they can keep on trucking with their awesome mission to change the world through pop culture and literacy and education and etc. So good. I work an early morning day job, so... Oh, you do, man. Okay. So I've been I've been up for a while. <laughs> uh, my day is okay. pretty much done, except for this and a few other things. Um, okay. As we're as we're getting ready for Denver Pop Culture Comic Con, which I'm sure you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna be up there. Uh huh. Yep. That's uh, so. We're gonna probably, um, if you have a preference, put this up probably either a couple days before or a week before, depending on what kind of groundswell you'd like. Um, <laughs> Whatever you think is best. Okay, I don't know. great. Yeah. Um, okay. But let's, uh, if you don't mind, it's going to be kind of a more of a casual conversational sure. uh, interview. Why not? Um, and uh, so I, I have, uh, unfortunately, my, my one of my co-hosts couldn't be here, but she gave me her notes, and she kind of hit on something that I really kind of, uh, is a great, I think, jumping off point for your career. Um, All right. Long and storied. Uh, that you've done work in the superhero um, storytelling. Are we? Are we? Are we recording? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Cool. That's fine. No, no. I just want to make sure. I didn't <laughs> want to have to be redundant about go over. Oh no. Things. No, okay. we're we're recording. Right, right okay. about when you asked about my day, which was very nice. So you seem very polite right off the bat. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I'll um, see if I can get uh, periodically be rude to you, and that. Uh, oh, so I'm. We'll I'm I'm sure when I bring up a few things. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, but that you've worked in the superhero um, storytelling from everything from the childlike to the gritty, um, and the childlike is something where you voiced um, Hawkman in The Brave and the Bold. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh-huh. a lot of a lot of fun over at Warner Brothers. Yeah. I I was gonna say because you also were in one of my favorite episodes. I'm a huge comic book fan. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, with the Justice League, you were the Green Guardsman in, um, mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of the, the two-parter off the top of my head, um, but you were kind of the, uh, the uh, Green Lantern of the uh, Justice Society. Um, and I know that uh, I've, we've interviewed other voice actors that have worked on DC, and the whole joke is that once uh, Andrea Romano gets her hooks into you, that's it. You're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're DC for life. Um 
I, I did. Uh, I did work a number of times with Andrea. She's just the loveliest gal, and she was very good to me. Uh, and for a number of years, I I, I did do uh, stuff over there. Um, but um, I I don't think uh, I don't think she was enamored of me when I did Hawkman. Really? I, I didn't. I had a. I, I don't think that my voice was manly enough. <laughs> but uh, I don't think I was manly enough. I'm just. I'm just naturally boyish, I guess, you know? Well, we're going to... There's something that when I was talking to my um, my business partner um, that we, you know, she usually does a lot of the due diligence and she usually takes lead on the interviews. Unfortunately, like I said, she couldn't make it today. Um, but I said, there's there's this movie that he's in that I remember seeing and it, it struck a chord with me and it stuck my uh, my brain called Sparks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, sure. That you... I, I thought you directed it, but you actually just um, executive produced it. Right. Um, but I remember going, this is real dark, real gritty. Mm-hmm. And you play a bad guy whose name is Mansana, uh, mm-hmm. or Matanza, however, uh, but it's, it's murder in Spanish. <laughs> and I'm going, like, when you say boyish, I'm going, the guy plays a guy literally named Murder. Yeah. Um, what what was it like doing Sparks? Because it is, I mean, it is shot dark. The content is dark. It is. Yeah, well, I tell you what, that was a very very ambitious project. Chris Felino was a very dear friend of mine. We started a comic book company together called Catastrophic Comics. I've heard of it. And and we were did uh, Sparks was one of the books we did. We did five books, and then we did Greatest American Hero. But we only were able to do the three books for Greatest American Hero. Right. And um, we had a partner on that. We had a little bit of a, a falling out, so we discontinued that. And then we lost the licensing, unfortunately. And um, but Sparks was a great. We uh, we we had great success with that, and we decided we'd do a movie. And um, Chris, it was very ambitious. Uh, you know, we only had a limited budget. Uh, and we were competing against these, you know, big, right. you know, Warner Brothers movies and the Marvel movies. And, uh, we were like, uh, the money we had to operate on to shoot our film was like probably one day of lunch for that, for that studio. <laughs> the, yeah. The, the, the catering for just, uh, you know, Chris Evans and Chris uh, Hemsworth, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but, but we had a lot of fun. We shot it all at night here in Los Angeles uh, we used a, all, we pulled out all, all of our favors that we could pull. Everybody that I knew, uh, and I could, uh, ask favors of came down to help. And I thought it was a great, for what it was, I thought it was a great success. I, and I had a lot of fun doing it, playing the real bad guy. That's, I know it was so almost seemingly out of character for you. And it's one of those, and I've got to say this, and this isn't paying you lip service at all. I don't want to come off as that, but when, um, when you were announced at Denver Pop Culture Con and we reached out for you for an interview, my first thought was, like, we have to talk about Sparks. And in my opinion, it was this very, like, under-the-radar but very underrated comic book movie. And everyone goes, well, what, yeah. what is it? Like, is it, like, Marvel or DC? I'm like, no, it's an original creation. These, It's not a pre-existing, you know, property initially the way Marvel and DC it, have. It was a very kind of, uh, we shot it as a noir thriller. Oh, yeah. And that's... And and it had a great comic book noir look to it. Um, I thought Chris, who directed it, did a very good job. It once again, like I, it, it's one of those where 
when I told Deb that, she goes, wait, what is it? And I said, just rent it. I'll get it for you. I don't care. Like, everyone should watch this. Yeah. Uh, but then again, I'm a huge noir fan as well. So, it, I mean, yeah. it, it really spoke to me. But that was my first thought was, well, we have to talk to him about Sparks because it's, it's, I mean. Yeah, like I, said, I think we, we borrowed a lot of that stuff. We borrowed a lot of uh, uh, technique from Dial M for Murder and, you know, the Maltese Falcon. Oh, I mean, we, we went back into all those films and really, really studied them. And we storyboarded the entire film. I oh, mean, wow. we, they were. It was based on on the uh, on the comic books, right. and we stole a lot of the shots right out of the comic book that we did. Wow. Um, now, in terms of also movies that you worked on, um, I, I you wrote you actually did write and direct a movie, uh, Clean and Narrow. Yes, I did. Jack Noseworthy, Laura Layton. Yep. One of the best films that Laura Layton ever did. Uh, she was just. It was very underrated. She gave an extremely good performance. I, I, I was so happy to work with them. I actually and Wings Hauser and uh, yeah and uh, oh yeah. Uh, was it Wes Cullum was the brother? Is that right? Yes, that's yes. correct. Uh huh. Yeah, that was a you know a very moving portrayal. I was very surprised um, by the movie that I, I I didn't realize it was out. I'm sorry, but I watched it for my part of my due diligence, and I was like, wow, this is why is no like why did i not know about this earlier yeah it, it turned it was a pretty good film we got we got uh exposure on hbo and the cinemax and a few other things that uh you know it, it did pretty well for what it was again you know we're working with budgets that are minuscule right um but we but we it, it, it turned out to be a pretty good a pretty good film you know oh yeah and uh and I, the only other film after that that I did was um, a film that was shot in Texas uh, uh, that was called um, Molding Clay originally, and then it was River's End. Oh, River's End, that, yeah. Uh, yeah, that did pretty pretty well. Did pretty well. So do you prefer being in front of the camera or behind it, if you have a preference? Well, I'll tell you something. Being an actor is a lot easier than being <laughs> a director. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. And I, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, you know, because that's, uh, that you're, the, the buck stops with a director. I mean, every decision made on a set pretty much has to come through him and it never stops. He starts like, uh, we started months and months before we shot and it goes months and months after, oh, yeah. after it stops shooting, you're in the editing room and, uh, it, it, there's no end of how much, uh, how, uh, fulfilling it is when you, when you finally finish and you look back at it. And you've created this world. Um, with a, it's very satisfying, um, but yeah, and it's satisfying to be an actor as well when you've created a wonderful rounded character. Oh, absolutely. But uh, it's a lot easier to be an actor. I mean, you, I, I like to say I'll I'll have my coffee. I'll be in my trailer. Call <laughs> me when you need me. You know. Oh yeah. But, that, <laughs> but when you're a director, you're never off your feet. I mean, oh no! I had a chair on all the things that I've directed. I've I've always had a chair on the set, but I never get to sit down. You know. <laughs> well, and then you've got the editing process and press yeah. and yeah, um, you know, investors. I've, and I've distribution. done quite a bit of I've done quite a bit of theater directing in the theater, and I really prefer that. Oh wow! You know, yeah, I really prefer that. I don't know. All in all, I prefer I prefer the theater. But it just doesn't pay as well, you know, unless you're on Broadway. Right. But when you're doing regional theater or you're doing off-Broadway, it's uh, you're barely able to make a living, you know? Well, yeah, New York's not cheap to begin with. No. Uh-huh. 
Um, in, no. ter- in terms of, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's oh. it. It's, it's hard. Sometimes you're breaking up on that phone. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I know I've got you on speaker. I'm trying to stay close to it. Um, okay. In terms of uh, sitting down in, in a trailer versus, um, I wanted to say, going back to that voice acting, what did you like or dislike or what were your feelings on voice acting versus live acting? Well, what happens in voice acting is that you say a line, you know, you're sitting in separate, uh, usually at a long table or individually in little booths and you have other actors that you're working with. Right. And uh, you'll say a line and then director, Andrea, this in, in, in this particular case, right. would say, oh, say, it, say it again, please. Uh, again, try it a little different, blah, blah, blah. You know, so you'd say it two or three times, and then you move on to the next thing. So, uh, and this next thing, uh, 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 you know, uh, the bad guy comes out of uh, a dark cloud, and he's attacking you with a sword, and you say, <laughs> oh, you know, or you say, okay, say it a different way. Oh, <laughs> oh, or, you know, or so you get to do it like that. Right. I am not a master of it. You have you have wonderful people like the Michael Bells of the world that uh, are just masterful at doing these things, and they all seem to know each other. All these voice actors. Oh, they're all. It's, yeah, it's a real click. I tell you what, it's like being in a fraternity or a sorority. Oh, watching the behind the scenes with the the voice actors of Futurama, and it's it's very much their family. Is that right? Oh yeah. Um, you want one of the greatest uh, voice acting? They say he's like since Mel Blanc is Billy West. Oh, is that right? Oh yeah. I guarantee you, if 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 you've got kids, you've seen something with him as the voice, guaranteed. Whether it's wow. Looney Tunes or or any or Ren and Stimpy, he was the voice of both Ren and Stimpy. Oh so, my God, that's great! That's yeah. great, and I'll tell you what—all these actors—they have such a repartee with each other. Oh, it's, I mean, yeah. they just—they spend all day long trying to crack each other up. Oh, that's—I mean, yeah, the outtakes alone are ridiculous. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I heard there was a, a a podcast that had the Pinky and the Brain. It was Rob Paulson and Maurice Lamarche, and those two when they're in character as the cartoons and they're cursing up a storm, trying to make each other. <laughs> I, it was I, it Rob was hysterical. Paulson is out of his mind. Oh God, Paulson, yes. Uh, my, one of my sons grew up with his kids, and and Rob is just out of his mind. What a great oh, guy, too. He's nothing. He's a live wire. I mean, he never yeah. turns off. It's fantastic to listen to him and to watch him. Um, yeah. I follow his uh, talking talking about tunes, uh, both the podcast and the web series, and it's he's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um. And getting back to a little bit about the kind of the Warner Brothers, I I had to bring this up because it meant it it, it weirdly meant a lot to me when I saw it. Um, you were on an episode of uh, well, Supergirl um, from mm-hmm. Warner Brothers or CW, but it was the yeah. episode where um, the Flash is getting married. That right? I think it was the very first crossover that they did. All those all those characters yeah, crossed think, it over. Yeah, I think it was the first one was Supergirl. Um, yeah. I had mistakenly said you were on an episode of Flash, and I was corrected very quickly that it was it, it was, was Supergirl. Yes. Yeah, it was uh-huh. a Supergirl episode. But I, you were you were the um, I, I I love the the way they credited you is the unused minister. Um, <laughs> and I had someone go, "Why was he unused?" I said, "Well, because the wedding got crashed by alternate world Nazis." Like that happens. Yeah. Um, but I want to know if. Did they have you as like the officiate as the minister because you were 
in, in my opinion, kind of one of the earliest, like, kind of superhero, like, big superhero, you know, um, shows from the 80s with um, Greatest American Hero. Or did you have to audition for that, or, or was it, like... No, well, I I think the story goes, and, and forgive me, and, and I hope he forgives me, I can't remember the director's name. Um, uh, a young man, probably in his early 40s, and was a fan of Greatest American Hero. And I think I think the reason I was on it was that he just wanted to pay homage to uh, the greatest American, his love for the greatest American hero. Uh, when he was growing up, um, he had great memories of, of, of that um, universe, and he wanted to he wanted to bring me into into this and in, in some way, shape, or fashion. And it was a uh, quick and easy. It was one day, and uh, he was just lovely. Great. He was just lovely, as was the entire cast. They were they were so gracious to me. I was so happy to be there. Now I wish they had brought me back, you know. But uh, when they end up getting you know married at the end of the crossover, and no one, yeah, like one of the other main characters is, and I'm like, no, no, bring back, you know, Bill Cat. Like, come on. <laughs> now, now that the danger's over. It's oh, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I, I remember years ago I did uh, that uh, three three season series Heroes. Do you remember that show? I do. Very well. And I got, and I, I had a, a day of work on that, um, and they, they dispatched me fairly quickly after that show as well, you know? Yeah, that one, <laughs> I have a love-hate with, with it after the second season, but, um, yeah. but it was one of those, yeah, I, with Heroes, I think they had a few people on where they were giving nods to, like, kind of the original, um, run of, you know, when, when I think of, you know, Greatest American Hero, I think of, um, you know, Wonder Woman and ISIS and, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be- before that Shazam. Um, mm-hmm. and it's like, but greatest American hero. I remember just, you know, I, I didn't catch the first season, um, original run, but I, I remember the, the video cassettes and wearing the tape out on those. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's very funny. I've done a, a number of these cons for a few years and it's just remarkable to me that, uh, there is still so much love for the show, and they, and they and the fans have been so delightful. And you know, honestly, now I'm getting third generation fans. I'm getting uh, the grandfathers, and then the, their kids, and then I'm getting the kids' kids. Oh yeah! You know? Oh yeah! I'm, I'm getting you know five, six, seven year olds coming up wearing the Greatest American Hero shirt. Oh yeah! And uh, giving me a lot of love that they love the episodes, and they'll talk about uh, you know the different episodes that they loved and. Uh, Beast in Black or Fastball or all kinds of oh, shows yeah. that they just loved. And it's just so much fun for me. Well, it's that, you know, it worked on, I um, I was looking this up and, and Stephen Canal said that um, he had done it as like a, like a character comedy. So it wasn't like big broad comedy. It was kind of that like flawed individual. And of course, you know, you have the suit, but you lose the instruction manual, which right. I, I think is a timeless idea. I think every generation you can have the... I want to be a hero, but I don't know how. Yeah. Um, mentality, yeah. or, you know, trope. We, and we had it, and 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 you know, Steve's the analogy of the show was that he said every every episode they'd sit around the writers' table, him and his his crew, and they'd think about a funny situation, a funny scenario, like uh, ego is a very funny scenario, or uh, hypochondria is very yeah. funny scenario, and then they would back a plot into that. You know, a, 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 a three or four act plot. They would back into a funny situation, and that's how that show worked. 
and it I mean it worked for for three seasons. I mean, which yep. unfortunately was you know short in in nowadays and even short then. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, and then I I wonder if were you worried about um I I was a little young for this one, but um the whole Hinkley thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I read that and went wait what? And I'm like nowadays I don't think the name would have been changed for. Any you know, any reason? But I guess it was like overdubbed for a couple episodes, and then they went back to the original name. Yeah, on was, the... Well, the, the way that story played out was that uh, you know they did change the name because of the attempted assassination on right. Reagan. Right. But then, uh, and they called him Henley. But actually, one one day on set, Michael Pere is the one who came up with that. He called me Mister H in classroom, and that and that stayed. It it it, it stayed. So and so Hinkley was always Mister H after that. Well, I mean, it seems like an, e- an easy fix, but kind of a lightning yeah. in a bottle for, you know, figuring that out. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't really have anything else on my list. Is there anything you've got coming up or that you want to promote? I know you do a lot no. of... Oh. <laughs> no, I haven't been doing too much the last couple of years. You know, I my mom had recently passed away right, a couple right. of years ago, and... and um, we were we were very close, and I was so lucky she had played my mom on Hero and Big Wednesday. I did with Busey and Jan Michael Vincent. She played my mom on that, and uh, then I got to do the Masons for four years. Say, with her. Yeah, yeah, you got yeah, to work with her on, yeah. on. And that's so nice. My, the fans come up to me and they give my mom a lot of love. And you know, we shot a lot of them right there in Denver. Oh wow, really? Um, yeah, we shot a lot of the great of the Perry Masons in Denver. Mm-hmm. That I will have to look up. That that needs yeah. that needs a plaque with your name on it. Yeah, <laughs> and I think Raymond Burr was was very nice to the locals at the time. And, you're, you're, and uh, yeah, and your great dad, guy. yeah, and your dad worked with Raymond Burr as well on a, on a few things. I think early that's, and then later on in the yeah, career. yeah, that's right. My dad, uh, Bill Williams, and yeah. he was a uh, probably most known for Kit Carson and a lot yeah. of the westerns that he did early right. on. And uh, my mom just mentioned her name was Barbara Hale, and uh, did a lot of work with Sinatra and. Jimmy Stewart and James Cagney and all those people. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, but I, to digress, I, I, I hadn't been doing too much work in the last couple of years because I've been, you know, dealing with her passing right, and, and right. sorting out the estate that I've had to do. And then I lost a younger sister oh, no. about six months after that. So oh, uh, it's been kind of a double whammy. But I am, I am recently just going to try and jump back into the film industry. Right. And I have a couple of things uh, on the horizon and. Just keeping my fingers crossed, you know, that the, the fates will line up in my favor. Oh, I hope they do. Well, yeah. we look forward to um, seeing you at uh, Denver Pop Culture Con. and uh, yeah. yeah, please come by and say hello. Oh, I absolutely will. And uh, we'll see you then. And, and thank you again for the opportunity to talk to us. It's been great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you like this, check out some of our other shows like Exotic Liability, No applause, just the clap, and Black Falls. We can be found at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for The BACN on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play.